you know one in five Americans live with a mental health problem? <laughs> that means unless you live in a cave, you know someone personally dealing with these issues. So join us and our special guests as we answer your questions, share real stories, and work to pull the curtain back on how stigma impacts our everyday lives and our communities. We believe that making a real impact happens best with candid conversations, laughter, and tears. We are your hosts, Jennifer Ritter and Josh Moore, and this is Impact Stigma. Good morning, evening, afternoon. Good morning, evening, and afternoon, Josh. How are you? Pretty good. How are you? I'm tired today. I'll be honest. Very well, tired, but I'm great. That's sus. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Go ahead. What does that mean? Suspicious. <laughs> it's an abbreviate. You know, have you ever played the game Among Us? No. I'm 45. It's these little characters that run around the ship. Right. And you do these normal tasks. For all of you that can't see, Josh is holding some sort of a small figurine. Yeah, it's the little dude. It has a plunger on its head. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you can customize your character. You get any, you know, they have different hats. Gotcha. So you can put, you know, whatever hat you He's want He's taking it. it apart, you guys. But I play with uh, my kids at home and my nephew and my nieces will all play together. And, you know, there's one imposter and you got to figure out who's going around killing everybody trying to do their tasks. And, okay. And you can lie in the game and be like, oh, because each person's a different character. Yeah. And I always lie and say it's of my son. Of course you do. <laughs> I don't care if it's him or not. I'm like, blue is sus. I oh, my gosh. Uh, and I'm like, vote for them all. Vote them all. Vote them all. Are off. you playing with a large amount of people like across the commu- like across online or just your yeah. family? No, okay. no, online. So we'll, we'll have these big lobbies and... Get everybody in, and they're all random people that come and go. So no yeah. one knows that I'm continuously trying to get my son kicked off <laughs> instantly. You're such a good dad. We're also playing Halo right now. All right. I have no idea. I'm not a video gamer. I'm he so is, sorry. He is terrible. He's terrible. God. <laughs> I would be terrible. I would just stand there and be blown up probably immediately. There's See, no I, way. I mean, I've been playing Halo since Halo 1 came out the day of. Yeah. And I play with my friends all the time, and... Ethan, we've let him started driving the Warthog, which is the car. <laughs> okay. And he's terrible. He'll get you killed so quick. <laughs> the only thing I know about video games is watching my kids play Call of Duty zombies. Oh. And it terrifies me. Like, these crazy zombies come out of everywhere, and they're all freaking out playing together, and it was nuts. That was what I remember. Well, we call Ethan the flag guy because we're like, you're just going to go grab the flag. <laughs> you have one job. <laughs> and we will protect you. And you run it back to the base. That's right. it. That's all you do. You just run to the flag and you run back. <laughs> That's a great story. And, you know, he'll go crazy sometimes. He's like, no, I want to get rockets. I want to do this. And they're like, you're going to die. Yeah. <laughs> you know, not even making it to it. He's died four times. Oh, my gosh. Well, welcome back, everyone, to Impact Sigma as we begin our third season. I can't even believe it. Season three. Season three. So for all of you out there listening, you know that our Impact Sigma podcast is all about raising public awareness to help break down the walls that stigma creates. We decided for season three to reach out and invite local leaders, business owners, and professionals to come and share their personal stories here with us on Impact Stigma. So that brings us to our guest today. He is the managing partner and vice president of Six Rivers Media, the parent corporation of the Kingsport Times News and the Johnson City Press. His story is one that many of our listeners share and can really certainly relate to. So we are honored to welcome our special guest, Alan Raw, to Impact Stigma. Thanks for having me on. Yeah. I appreciate it. I did not know how to pronounce his last name. I may have messed it up. Rao. Rao? Rao. You're, you're close. Yeah. That's okay. what I was going to say. It's three letters, but it's impossible to pronounce. It sounded it's, like Rao. All right. Bizarre. Well, then, welcome Alan Rao to Impact Stigma. Correct. <laughs> Good job, Jennifer. You have one job. 
oh my gosh, I'm like your son. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm the flag person for Halo. <laughs> so one of our favorite things to help our listeners get to know our guests a little bit better is to ask them some random fun questions. I'm scared. Don't right be. They're fine. Be. So I've got to ask a question. Jennifer's going to ask a question. And my Josh has the best ones. Well, my fr- I'm going to change everything up. You always know what I'm going to ask because I, s- I tell everybody, but his are always a surprise. I've already yeah. forgotten your question. It's anyway, okay. So. If you were a color for a character in Among Us, what color would you be? I'm not sure what the game is, but I'll say blue just because I like blue. Okay. Okay. That's excellent. So I my question is, what's one thing that people are generally surprised to find out about you? I would say that I'm so open and passionate the past 20 years I was really reserved and now I get out and I act like you know like a dog with his head out the window of a car <laughs> that's amazing that's, good. Like, that's exactly what I feel like I'm like oh look at that over there look at that over there that's oh, great. this is new this is new and it the fear starts to go away but that's I love that yeah all right so what's your favorite hobby favorite hobby I'm does exercise count like yoga yeah, I, mean, I started doing yoga and it's it's terrifying and I'm real self-conscious but I love it so. I will tell you that Everybody that kind of knows me really well knows I have a really, like, intense fear of working out in public at a gym. Uh, I'll sit in the parking lot, and I'm not even lying. Like, I'll cry before I go in because I get so nervous. And I want to do stuff, but I'm so nervous. How would you overcome that? It is absolutely nerve-wracking. I go to the Y in Kingsport, Mm -hmm. and they got people lined up. And they all know what they're doing. At least it looks that way. (laughs) So I just pretend like I know what I'm doing. And and I find out, don't do that because you hurt yourself. (laughs) So I... You know, I, I, I feel overcame like I that ego and got a trainer and just like, all right, forget it. I got it. I want to get in shape because I feel better when I exercise. Right. So to hell with it. I'm just doing this. And it, it got easier as time goes on, but I still yep. feel that self-consciousness. But and yeah. I, I actually started in, in rehab. They started doing these little exercises and they started helping mentally. And that's kind of where it started. And yeah. I started to you know, lose weight and get in better shape. I'm like, all right, I'm sticking with this. But, you know, I started small and kind of built on that. But yeah. All right, so what's your favorite type of food? You can tell a lot. This is one question I ask a, a lot. Tillamook strawberry ice cream. That's your favorite food? It's the best thing I've ever I will say that, in my life. that brand of ice cream is probably it the best. It is fantastic. It really Their is. Their mint and chip is freaking awesome. Mm-hmm. They have all these different products, but they're not available here, and it makes me very sad. I know. I get it at Food City. Well, they have yogurt and all this other stuff, but it's out in Oregon, I guess, because that's where yeah. the company is. But the ice cream, I, I can't remember where I found it, but the ice cream is... Food City has Tillamook. Yep. Last night at 2 a.m. I woke up and I ate directly out of the container, literally. That's okay. You're allowed. <laughs> and I have four different flavors, colors, whatever you want to call it, in my freezer right now. I wish they had sherbet because I can eat sherbet on my diet. Yeah. I love sherbet. Sherbet's really good, yeah. for sure. All right. If you could compare yourself with any animal, which would it be and why? Well, I, I said the dog with the head out the window, but I guess what's something that's real spastic? Um <laughs> I just, you're making me crack like out. Like an ant, maybe? <laughs> like I, d- I don't have no, the work kidding. ethic yet, but, you know, just kind of like running around with my head cut off. Ants are organized, though. They are organized, yeah. Okay, so it's not an ant. <laughs> that's, not, that's not the answer. Um, A moth. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> There's <spastics laughs> everywhere. And when they see a light, they're like, they just oh, go nuts. <laughs> you know what? That actually does make some sense, yeah. That's <laughs> I don't like that, that both of those are insects, but what the, gotta start somewhere. Here you go. <laughs> That's right. As always, we strive for candid, open, and sometimes even humorous conversations here on Impact Stigma. 
So please remember, this podcast is never intended to be a substitute for professional advice, formal diagnosis, or treatment for mental and behavioral health issues. If you need further assistance or have questions, please visit the Frontier Health website at FrontierHealth.org for more information. If you or someone you love has an urgent mental health need, please call 877-928-9062 and our 24-7 Frontier Health crisis team will help. If you, your child, or someone you know is in danger of suicide, go to the nearest emergency room or call 911. And now I would like to share a word from our sponsor. A certified food city butcher has a lot on his plate. He cuts, chops, and grinds every day. In fact, about the only thing he's not cutting fresh in-house are corners. Beginning at 6 a.m., he grinds fresh beef all day long and stamps the hour that beef was ground, not the day. So by the time meat from other grocery chains is hitting the shelves, ours is hitting your grill. Now that's value every day, only at Food City. All right, you guys, welcome back. I was really interested in having you come here, Alan, and share your story after we met last year at an event. And I just felt like your passion for recovery was super palpable. And after I read your article, I really felt like it was just, we just had to have you here on Impact Stigma to share your personal story. So will you please let our listeners know about your story? Will you share with us today? Well, it took me, it took me forever to write the article. You know, I want everything to be perfect. (laughs) Yeah. You you write the article, you throw it away. You write the article, you realize where, you know, other people see it. Like, oh, well, I got to make it sound this way. But that's kind of that that stigma that I put on myself about how I need to be accepted right. and that judgment. And, you know, I think back to in the last two years, I've thought back to, well, how do you get here? What what led me down this path? And like the first real memory I have is in first grade. And this is really insignificant. And I'm sitting in class, you know, I'm real, you know, raise my hand, yeah. teacher's pet. And to, the teacher writes, you know, up on the, the whiteboard, whatever it is, P-O-E-M, who can pronounce this word? And I raise my hand and say, point. You know, that's kind of a hard word anyway. Yeah. I, I have trouble saying it now. Mm-hmm. And she says, I'm sorry, that's wrong. And she calls on someone else. And I remember that feeling. Mm-hmm. Like it's, making, it's making the hair on the back of my neck stand up. Oh, yeah. And that's, it, it's so small. But yet that had such an impact back then. And, you know, that's a lesson. But sometimes I take those lessons and I put a negative spin on it as opposed to the positive how you're supposed to. And I don't know, you know, I you replay that over in your head there's really nothing you can do about it. Those insecurities and all those fears, they start, they started for me early. And, you know, there was a couple instances, they're almost like photographs in my mind. Yeah. And you think back to that time, you know, like standing up in 11th grade, giving a speech and. Like a pivotal moment. Yeah. And and I started off and someone in the classroom, one of their students said, "Uh, the teacher's not in here and everyone died laughing. And that's where that fear of public speaking comes in. But, you know, sitting back in rehab two and a half years ago, two years ago, rethinking all this stuff and I suddenly realized the whole class didn't they didn't laugh that was just me playing that insecurity and over time it turned into that fear based on all of this stuff that I had inside that I took the wrong message from mm-hmm. and it's crazy how you can end up and it makes me really sad you know the next 30 years were based on that delusion drove you know, all these poor, horrible choices I made and yeah. had an impact on other people. But that part of your story is so relatable because so many people it's so deal small. with that. It's yeah. so insignificant. But there isn't, I could say I could go back in time, I could change this. But, you know, you know, it's almost being aware of these things. And how do I, how do I explain? That's where it gets into the mental health aspect. All right. So you're talking about fear and dealing with the fear of 
little things that seemed trivial at the time, but they, they found themselves to be very pivotal. Well, it was almost, you know, I, I got this one fear and it starts to, it starts to get this momentum into other fears and all these expectations that I thought, you know, for the family business that you thought these things. And then, and over time, those expectations, you start to not meet them and you start to, and that started to, okay, I don't have to work for this. And it started getting into bad habits and, well, okay, so now I'm, I'm worried and I've got all this fear. How do I right. handle it? And then you drink alcohol the first time and it's like, oh, okay, everyone else is doing their thing. I can just worry about, you know, you know, drinking a lot and that's what I'm really good at. But, you know, it's <laughs> alcohol, you know, that takes a lot of hiding and all this yeah. stuff and then you find pills or whatever it may yeah. be. And then before you know it, you know, I'll never take them at work. I'll never do this here. I'll never yeah. do this. Mm-hmm. And you start to break through those walls real easily and then you're stuck. At least I was stuck. Stuck in the habit. Yeah. Stuck in the habit physically. I couldn't. You know, and it got to the point where I remember driving, you know, sitting in my car at a red light and looking at other people in their cars thinking, wow, they must be miserable. They're sober. And right. so now it's, I've now placed sobriety with withdrawal. So yeah. now I've got either I have what I need or it's withdrawal. And that's the two choices I have. So it's almost like I talk myself out of the choice of getting better. If that, that makes, makes sense. sense. Oh, that makes yeah. sense. And and it got, you know, you get to that tipping point, you get to that place. And it was, you know, I remember sitting on my parents' couch just just hoping, you know, thinking spontaneous combustion or just, you know, <laughs> kind of soak into the earth and just, just kind disappear. of, you know, it wasn't, I don't want to say too extreme, but that's pretty extreme. Yeah. And it's just, okay, all right, I give up, you know, let's do whatever this is. And that is, uh, it started out as shame and embarrassment at first. Yeah. But over time, as I've gone through this, that's become kind of a badge of honor. Yeah. Not that red, the scarlet letter. It's more right. a badge of honor because, hey, I can now help people with theirs. And this is how it worked for me. You know, I'll do what I can to help. Yeah. Just let me know and I'll do everything I can. And the first thing is, is letting people know about the stigma and to actually bring it up and right. talk about it and get it out in public. So what was your, your moment where you were like, I got to just make this change like right now? I had... Uh, Probably two, three years ago, I had known that I had and I had a buddy and we, we kind of used together. And we said, well, yeah, we're addicts, uh, whatever. You know, it didn't get to the point where the real ramifications that I have no other option came in. And I had, I was in a relationship at the time and I had really twisted that around to my advantage. Mm-hmm. And, and she had some children and I used those as leverage and she caught me. You know, I was dishonest and she, you know, and rightfully so good for her. Mm-hmm. I, right. I'm grateful for that. And it's kind of like I have nowhere else to turn. Everyone else knows it's a problem. I thought I was hiding it good, but that's, you know, I'm a liar. Right. At that, you know. yeah. <laughs> uh, that did not work out very well, and I'm glad it did. So my sister, uh, my family was fantastic. They've always been fantastic. This was just all self-inflicted. Oh, yeah. And they were very supportive. It took, you know, 10 years with the drugs and 20 years with alcohol. But I'm glad that I'm still alive to be there, and I'm glad they were so supportive. I am blessed and grateful for that. And so I went to a rehab in Texas, mm-hmm. and it was, uh, I forget how, 90 days. I'm not sure if I'm allowed to say that, but I'm saying You can do it whatever you want. Yeah, you're fine. And, you know, I, I heard it all the time. You know, this is a lifelong process. Yeah. And I get out, you know, happy, and, oh, man, I got this lick. This is great. And I get back to, to Kingsport, like, oh. Okay, yeah, maybe not. Maybe you got to change your friends. Yeah. You got to change all kinds of stuff. Mm, well, not not. I had to change myself. Right, right. And and that's been a big shift also. And that gets back to that. All right, if 
finding out these fears and how do I address those? Exercise and, you know, healthy habits, right. doing journaling, going to church. You know, I don't quite understand it, but damn, I'll go. All right. You know, that's how I keep this and that's how I can help others and try and meet other people, you know, mm, podcast, yeah. whatever it is. And, and, you know, I get passionate about it. You know, I can see my hands swinging all over the place here. <laughs> We like okay. it. You talk with your hands. I'm the same. I have to like hold mine underneath the ta- the table, not to talk with yeah, my hands. Yeah, sometimes she has to sit on them. Yeah, yeah I get that. I almost yeah, can't like speak when I'm like not using my hands. Well, I, I do have a question for you. I was thinking about it, and we've shared this a little bit on the podcast before. So my mom is in recovery, and so proud of her. It's 2022, so let's see. I think she's going on 23 years sober. So I'm really proud of her. Oh, wow. And um, I might be wrong. Sorry, mom. I remember her talking about she felt like she couldn't speak without it. And I know that's something, if we go back in our conversation for a minute, you were like, I have all these insecurities and these fears, and I don't feel like I can speak out. And I read your article, and one of the things that stuck out to me was you drank, and you felt like your inhibitions were down. So, like, now you didn't have that fear, and you could go out and, like, do the things you needed to do. So she said, in the beginning, it felt like a sense of power. Like, she felt like, I I have the alcohol, my inhibitions are down, I'm not afraid, I can speak my mind, and then it just, like, railroaded off the tracks. Like they used it as a confidence boost. Correct. So, is that kind of what it, where it started with you? Just yeah, curious. It's, it's liquid courage. At, at mm-hmm. first, it was almost like a relief. You know, you get the, ah, that sense yeah. of relief, and that turns into, okay, well, next time, and you start to plan for it, I know I'll feel better, I know I'll be able, and it starts to kind of twist your brain into, I, you know, Things are easier, or I can get this done with this substance yeah. into I need this su- substance. And now right. you're going, you know, to go play golf or going to watch a football game. And now I got a pregame at home in my, you know, when I'm alone. Mm-hmm. That's crazy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it just twisted that all around and that sense of power, or that sense yeah. of control with alcohol. You, you lose that pretty quickly after mm-hmm. a certain amount. Yeah, yeah you so, do. You know, yep. I just can't moderate once I stop. Yeah, that was her. She was like, I got to the point where I just kept going and I just fell down the hill and and everything fell around. And she's like, I didn't see it. Like everybody else could see it, but I didn't see it. And I thought I was hiding it, but I wasn't hiding it. Yeah, I thought I was managing myself real well. (laughs) Yeah. She was like, yep, just a bozo on the bus here. Just thinking I'm getting really well and I'm really, really not. So, Well, and the the opportunities, like the opportunity that you guys have given me, it's nerve-wracking. You know, learning these new habits, it's nerve-wracking, you know. These opportunities are what I live for now. Yeah. You know, to grow, that personal growth. And, you know, you've, I get that same feeling, but instead of putting a negative spin on it, it's not butterflies, it's not nerves. Yeah. It's excitement now. Yeah. That's good. And that's changing that from, you know. What are people going to think, maybe? Well, well, at a meeting, it's almost like I need to, to rewire my brain from, okay, I'm going to be nervous and I'm going to make this mistake. And, and as a disclaimer, instead saying, hey, I'm excited and this is how it's going to be. And I've got to tell myself that mind shift to not say, well, uh, to give myself a safety valve. Right. It's to learn these new things. I got to own them and I got to go out and do them. And I have to, to appreciate the opportunity as opposed to, well, I finally got through with that and I didn't screw it up. Yeah. This whole mind shift into not worrying what anyone else thinks. If I've got the principles in line and I'm following those principles then everything works out for me. And one of the things I really enjoy about your story so that we can share it with our listeners, because I mean, not everybody has a massive thing happen to them. Sometimes it just gets there. And I know that was, you're like, I don't have a big, terrible childhood. I don't have all that stuff. So can you kind of share about that and how you, how you talk about that now? There never was 
each person's trauma is traumatic to them. Sure. There never was, yeah. uh, looking at it from outside, there never was a car wreck or something huge, life, life-altering moment. Right. It was all this stuff slowly and mentally and slyly that I, that I put on my own brain or that right. I took off and run with. You know, I, I was blessed as a child, had all the opportunities. My parents were great. But, you know, I put my, uh, looking for validation from society. Outside sources. How to be popular, how to do yeah. this. And then they kind of take the wrong lesson and you kind of put yourself at the back trying to please everyone else. Yeah. And that just takes on a life of its own. And before you know it, you know, going to college and failing out uh, because you're more worried about, hey, how do I, how do I get the fake ID and go to the bars every night? And then, you know, you just physically can't. You can't do both. And exactly. That, the expectations that I, that I put on myself, these didn't come from anyone else. All these expectations, I, I, this is where I want to be. This is what I deserve. This is how I'm going to get it. And that's it, just not how it works. Yeah. It did in my head, but hell, that didn't work. I'm going to ask a weird question, maybe touch on a weird subject, but it just popped in my head and I want to ask. Do you feel like there was pressure on you to perform or be a certain way because your family was someone who was well-known in the community? Do you feel like that played a part at all? If it didn't, that's fine, but I just thought I'd ask. I, I certainly thought so. Okay. However, I I can't think of anything that came from anyone else. Mm-hmm. Like it was all these expectations that I see my, my family, I see my dad doing well, I see everything going well, and that logically, you know, you, you have role models and you, you follow those and you expect those to follow along without putting the work in. Like if you're not what they are, then somehow you're not good enough. But you're a failure, right. yeah. Right. But you yeah. don't get, I, I love the fact that you say your family was so there for you. So what was their approach? I I talked to, I want to respect their their privacy and all this stuff, but I think there was talk A along general the way overview of what their approach was. Of, uh, you know, there's talk of interventions and, but there's some knowledge in my family that you got to, like, we can't, we can't set ourselves on fire to keep you warm. That makes sense. And. They, they, I'm positive they knew long ago, you know, 20 years ago, there was a problem, but I kind of had to chart my own course and, you know, enabling possibly. Yeah. There However, is some. it's, it's hard not to when you love someone. Yeah. We had that conversation with Brenda Seals. Do you yeah. remember when she, she was a parent of an addict and she came in and shared that story, that, that point of view was really great. And, and she just didn't know what to do with her son. You know, she wanted to help, but she, she just didn't know how. Well, yeah. I, I mean, if you're over 18, too, it's even harder mm-hmm. because you can't just run them and take them to the, you know, see somebody. Yeah, what do you do when you've got a, a small, you know, a young adult child that's not willing to get help and you really can't do anything? And I, I notice, you know, in everyday life, too, that that's that covers the whole basis of it. It's not just addicts. That covers, you know, you can mm-hmm. uh, to stand up for yourself to put, cl- you know, clear boundaries down. You can I can enable someone else and it's not an addict. Just yes. in destructive behavior, it's it's possible if I don't if I'm not clear with what my expectations or what my where my boundaries are, mm-hmm. then I can go off the path also through that because there are other you know there are other mental issues all over the damn place. Oh yeah, I think boundaries is probably one of my new favorite things to talk about because it feels one of the things I thought about was when you have never had those. Or you don't know how to have those because you grew up a certain way, like me. I mean, my mom and I have talked about this a lot. We just there was it was bound there was no boundaries because of her addiction. And then you start to set a boundary. It's like ooh, I feel really rude. 
you know, and you go through Absolutely. that, like, I'm so rude to say no to this person. Did you, did you deal with that? That was, that's one of the huge things that I've had to deal. And I still deal with that. Uh, the ability to say no. Mm, yeah. Uh, to have boundaries for, to put time for me. Because if I'm not okay, everything else is going to suffer. Right. And I've got to realize that. And I've got to let people, I got to stay out of other people's lanes. I say that at work all the time. <laughs> because it is, it is a, uh, it's a mess when I do. Because <laughs> I think I can do everything better than everyone else, and that's just not true. <laughs> yeah. So We think yeah. that sometimes, I'm sure. Yeah. But it's good you can recognize that. <laughs> <laughs> Josh is laughing at me, by the way. He's not laughing at you. I so. would never have guessed. <laughs> mm, yeah, he laughs at me a lot. I've learned, I've really learned a lot working with Josh, and I've learned how to just be myself a lot more and just kind of like let things go and laugh. And he Being and, able to, to, to be myself mm-hmm. or to for someone to be themselves without having to worry about what, what, how it will be accepted by someone else, you know, as long as I'm as I'm doing things in with the principles that I that I follow, mm-hmm. how can I go wrong? Right, right. And it's almost like that, you know, they talk about higher higher power and God. That's kind of, you know, if I can follow those principles, then all is good. Yeah. And I'm sure that'll change going on, and I'm okay with that. But yeah. right now, I'm I'm. I'm happy with where I am. I think that's terrific. It really is. So we met at an event, and, I mean, it was an after-hours, I think it was a Johnson City Chamber of Commerce after-hours event at Bank of Tennessee. Do you remember? I think so. Yeah. And so when you're dealing, when you're in those situations, um, how do you, do people know? I mean, I'm sure they know. You yeah. wrote a, I mean, you put an article out. You wrote your own article in, in the Times. Do people know? Do they do they talk to you? And how do you really deal with that? Yeah, I got a lot of kind responses and well wishes, however you want to put it. Yeah. And it was fantastic. You know, I'd struggle with how open am I with this because right. it feels like oh, he's he's playing the attic button again right. for mm-hmm. sympathy. Uh, but again, we talk about stigma. You know, how else do we overcome it and and work on this problem, find the problem, fix the problem? Yeah. If you don't talk about it. So I've I've gotten easy on that, and it's kind of a, a story of perseverance, and hopefully uh, reach out to other people. Hey, it's possible that you can do this. Yeah, I say tell your story, and if somebody has something to say about that, it doesn't matter because you are going to impact people. There I do is... have to be some careful. Some you know, I can't oh, walk yeah. into the grocery store and guess what, guys? Hello, <laughs> right. right here. Well, I, need I wouldn't discount, say that. You know, but if you have an opportunity to talk about it in a good situation where you can really make an impact, like here on this podcast, and and you never know. When you will connect with someone who might make a difference, possibly, but at least I've I've been willing to help. And hey, if I can't help, I can find someone who can or something along those lines. Uh, but if they don't know and I don't share it, then that goes unnoticed. So what what made you want to do a newspaper article about it? The newsroom in Kingsport actually decided to write a series on meth. Yeah, the shift from opioids to meth. Uh-huh. And I thought, oh, okay, that's. It's awfully convenient, and the editor asked. He said, "You know, a, a personal kind of dropped the hint. Yeah, you know, a personal column uh, might be a good idea." And I thought, "Okay, I'll, I'll think about it." Thanks you for know, putting I'm, me on the spot, kind of thing. Yeah, <laughs> and you know, I've tried to trying to learn to be more assertive at work, uh-huh. and to you know, boundaries at work. These are expectations, and this is this is you know the plan here, and this is what you know. If I'm going to preach preach about this stuff, then I've got to take some. I've got to take some responsibility, and I thought, you know, I've got to to be a, a leader at work. Mm-hmm. I had to show, you know, where I was, 
what I believe in and, you know, what I, the causes that I believe in, if that makes any kind of sense. Yeah, yeah. Good. You know, I'll, I'll raise the flag in compassion. You know, we're a family company. We believe in compassion. We believe in kindness, honesty, and integrity. And if I don't show those, then I can't expect the you know, employees or community or anyone that we come in contact with to, to believe us or to help anyone else if right. I don't follow those principles. So I had that opportunity, and I'm blessed for it. Nervous as hell when I was doing it, but um, I enjoyed it thoroughly. And the ability to reach out and it's to a have great these article. opportunities. It's a great article. It, it was very nerve-wracking. I can imagine. Yeah. How many edits did you do? Uh Seventy hundred eleven. I'm just kidding. It was just constant. <laughs> yeah. It's like, all right, grammar, check, commas, all this stuff. Yeah. But you know, once you get started, I've found in in all this stuff like habits. Like, once I've started, and I, you know, that first five minutes, once I get into it, you know, yeah. it's a pain and I don't like it. But once I get into it, <laughs> I feel that it, it starts to flow. Yeah. And then I start to slowly build up these positive habits. And it starts to get easier, and it starts to become kind of a ritual almost. Yeah, like you, a healthy ritual, a new habit. Right. I love that. Yeah, you know, I heard somewhere where it takes thirty days to start a new habit and seven days to to get out of that habit. I don't right. know if that's BS or what, but I I like to say it. It sounds hey, good to me. Hey, you use it. That's fine. Whatever works for you. That's what my doctor told me. Yeah. You know, it takes about a month. You do it every day for a month, and you'll be in a habit to where you're just you're just doing it. And it's those little small ones that drive me, like, taking the trash out. You <laughs> I know, hate it taking like the trash out. Everyone, I, I, yeah. you know, that should be a layup. But, man, yeah. I'd, I'd rather just sit here on the couch. But I, I know what that, Yeah. once I get those negative, that neg- negative momentum going, that, right. that could have other consequences. And I I'm just that. not willing to throw that away. Right. It's just not worth it. No, it's really not. I, I agree. I think I'm going to use that, by the way, because I've been trying to change some bad habits. So I'm going to take your advice, Alan. Well, that's kind of where... It all clicked, you know, it took in, in the rehab, it took 40, 45 days for any, any kind of clarity to come back. And it started real small uh, with chores, real small. Mm-hmm. And okay, that, that kind of helped. And you, it kind of plants a seed in your head and you start to add on these new things. And now, you know, with exercise, starting yoga or something that I'd be real self-conscious with and that I really suck at. Well, you know, I'll, I'll try it and see how it goes. And you find out, well... I kind of like this, you know, it helps my body feel better. I'm not very good at it, and we'll see where it goes, but it sure as hell beats running around the neighborhood for five miles. Yeah, I know that much. I'm not a runner. No. Not a runner. No, that I'm really trying to do yoga, but. Look, I am very dangerous in the short distance. (laughs) Josh is like, I am a bulldozer, so there. Yeah, Yeah, lineman. There you go. I'm quick in the first five yards. There you go. You know, <laughs> That's it. That's all I got. <laughs> it, it's occurred to me, I make it sound like I'm some some kind of, I don't even know what the term is, some kind of y- yoga practitioner. No, it sounds doing. like you're no, it's trying. Been like, it's been like four weeks, so yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to be clear on that. Okay, I appreciate your honesty. Yeah. That's my yeah. favorite thing. That's no, awesome. It's, it's a new habit, I guess. I'm yeah. trying to think of habits now, and I'm not... I think yoga is really neat, but I'm really wiggly, so it's hard for me to sit still. Well, and and I don't know how I feel about trying to do that. Plus, at 45, I'm mad at myself for not doing it earlier because I'm super stiff, and I'm like, oh, I'm going to fall down. You know what I hate? What? The word habit. I like routine. I like a new routine. Yeah. Routine or ritual. Ritual yeah. has almost a mystical quality to it. but Yeah, yeah I like that too. Habits are good. Routine. I like the routine. Yeah, but you could also take them as being like bad. Well, I think in this in this particular 
vein will say they're positive. Right. Yeah. But for me, when I'm doing something and, you know, like I'm trying this new diet, if yeah. I hear, oh, you got to change your habit, I'm like. I know. It sounds yeah. like <laughs> to each his own, Josh. Yeah. Alan, you got to have it. Josh, you got a ritual and, and I'll have a routine. How yeah, about that? <laughs> Whatever works. Whatever <laughs> works. That's yeah. right. That's a good piece of advice. I mean, when we're trying to change something about ourselves, I think that we, we hear that in the mental health organization, you know, in, in what we do. We're obviously not clinicians, but we hear people talk about it. And it's just the little tiny steps, the baby steps, the little things that you change. You know, for me to expect to to change the big things and not practice by doing small things mm-hmm. is completely insane to, yeah. to me. So I got to practice the small things so I know what ha- you know how to do it when it comes to the big things I and love that, that practice you know eventually you get some momentum and some of those new things don't seem so so mountainous or whatever right. the hell term you want to use absolutely I love that thank you it's mm. great I really do I think we're good I think we're gonna drop the mic there because practice the small things first so that you can handle the big things is a really great way to end this amen all right well thanks for coming on our podcast we yeah. greatly appreciate it Hey, thank really, you guys. Yeah. I really appreciate it. We thank you guys, and thank you everyone out there for listening, and please remember to go make an impact. Stigma can make mental health problems worse and even stop a person from getting the help they need. Untreated mental illness places an enormous economic and emotional burden on our communities. Economic burden alone is in the billions, and that directly affects all of us. We all play a crucial role in creating a mentally healthy community, One that is inclusive, rejects discrimination, and supports recovery. For us at Impact Stigma, this is way more than just a podcast. It is about igniting our communities, sharing our stories, and working together with listeners like you. We invite you to find out more about Impact Stigma on our website at impactstigma.com. One way you can make an impact right now is by sharing our podcast with your friends and family because you never know when something we talk about might be the reason someone you love asks for help. Mental illness is not a personal failure. We can't do this without you. So if you feel inspired to get involved, first, subscribe to this podcast. Then go visit our website at impactstigma.com. Watch the video and read about how you can become an impact maker. Thank you for listening to Impact Stigma. You're so glad you chose us. We want to thank our guests again for sharing your impactful story and doing your part to Impact Stigma. Join us next time as we enjoy some laughs and hear impactful stories. Until then, this work needs you. So go be an impact maker. Thank you and be blessed.